There's no doubt in 2019 that sexual abuse is a real issue and also one that is not uncommon. 16% of men and 25% of women have experienced some form of sexual abuse. While a lot of the focus in recent months has been on bringing perpetrators to justice, what about the impact of sexual abuse in married life? And not only that, but how can you facilitate the healing and wholeness of your spouse if he or she has been sexually abused? The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a sad but hopeful episode for you this week. This is episode number 190, and today we're going to be talking about what to do when your spouse has been sexually abused. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed pathological or chronic lying. Worth going back and checking out if that's something you're facing in your marriage or even in your circle of acquaintances. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. Mm-hmm. But Kayla, before we get into today's topic, yes. we need to celebrate a milestone. We do. So between the time we recorded this show and our previous show, we clicked over 1 million downloads. That is crazy. Yeah. We launched in May of 2014. So after four years, that's pretty impressive, mm-hmm. I think. And of course, that's all thanks to you, our listeners, because if you didn't listen and download, we mm-hmm. wouldn't have the privilege <laughs> of ending up being part of so many of your lives and marriages. Honestly, Uh, The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is a lot of commitment and a lot of work, but that's Mm -hmm. okay because if we're asking you to show a lot of commitment to your spouse and do the hard work of creating a thriving, passionate marriage, it's only fair that we also challenge ourselves to do something hard and show commitment. Okay. So that's how life is. That's how legacy is created, whether in the podcasting context or in the beautiful dance that occurs between two broken people who have learned or are learning to love each other deeply. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into the topic for Linda, sexual abuse and how to support your spouse. First of all, how sexual abuse affects a person. I think it's important to talk about this part because there may be some of our listeners today who either know their spouse has been sexually abused, but don't see exactly what the impact is, or okay. maybe they see symptoms, but they don't know what the underlying wound is. Okay. It's just because it's so sensitive, so fragile, maybe it's never been discussed, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe this this may open a conversation that could help your spouse on their healing journey. So a group of researchers in 2005 studied a sample of 9,000 American adults and found that prior sexual abuse as a child increased the risk of several issues in adulthood. First was an increased risk of alcohol problems, 19% of abuse survivors compared to 12% of the normal population. Second was an increased risk of substance or drug abuse, 24% compared to 16%. Suicide attempts went up to 4.1% compared to 1.5%. And depression went up to 11.8% compared to 7.9%. So those effects that they measured, they were similar for both men and women. And it's while we see the risk of all these issues increasing significantly for survivors of sexual abuse, the overall rates are still fairly low. Okay. Right. 
So having experienced sexual abuse is by no means a guarantee that you'll experience all these issues. Okay. Yes. Yes. And what I do hope that folks see or hear is that the increase over normal population, it validates the severe emotional distress that sexual abuse brings. Mm -hmm. Of course, the good news is that healing is possible. Even though history cannot be rewritten, it's possible to recover from the trauma of sexual abuse. Okay. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. But there's some things that do come in, in addition to sort of these larger diagnosable kind of issues, just experiences and so on. One is to consider the topic of helplessness. So helplessness is a very, or the sense of it is a very real impact that comes from sexual abuse. Experiencing sexual abuse is a traumatic situation in which a person often has no control. Yeah. yeah. And so they don't have, or if you think about this through the lens of a child's experience, they don't have the adult wisdom and knowledge to have said no when they were a child. Okay. 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 And so they may then learn a sense of helplessness, which affects their expectation and judgment for years to come Mm, because they didn't have that adult efficacy. Like they couldn't help it. Yes. They couldn't, they They didn't have the tools to know that this was clearly wrong, that it needed to stop because remember this is often in the context of grooming and Mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. things, right? Or a trusted person. Yeah, all those components that make it so tricky. So helplessness then and a perceived lack of control over your life, those are contributing factors towards alcohol and substance abuse or dependency, right? And they're also a cause or symptom of mental illnesses such as depression. So that kind of ties into part of this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, there's other kinds of trauma too. If childhood sexual abuse occurs in conjunction with others then, or sorry, with other traumatic events in childhood, such as physical violence or if there's neglect, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm or being taken into institutional care, foster homes, that kind of thing. These all dramatically increase the risk factors for mental illness over and above what these factors individually would cause. So it's just saying like if the you... the abuse by itself versus the abuse with these traumatic yes. events. Okay. Yeah. So other kinds of trauma can increase the, the likelihood of some of these other things being present as well. Okay. Yeah. Now... Let's talk, let's talk about how past sexual abuse might affect marriage today, your marriage, right? Okay. So, and I want to be careful when going through these issues because there's a fine line between acknowledging the impact and from that impact, like honoring the difficult journey that survivors face versus really just kind of pathologizing all the effects of sexual abuse and making the survivor feel like they're damaged goods. So we don't, yeah, we don't no. want to do that, but we just mm-hmm. want to see these things. And, and so in this context, I want to acknowledge that we're all broken. Mm -hmm. And so while the abuse was not your fault and the abuse should not have happened, healing is your choice and healing is something you can make happen. Mm -hmm. Something that you can pursue. Mm -hmm. So we acknowledge the past, but we also really want to honor the healing ability and the resilience of survivors as well. And perhaps you're seeing some of these effects in your marriage. If so, think about what you might want to do to help yourself overcome these challenges and create a new chapter in your story that celebrates victory and healing. Hmm. That's just a way of looking at this. So getting into some of these effects, marital quality. Same study that I quoted a little earlier from 2005 found that childhood sexual abuse can increase the risk of marital problems as an adult. 7.8% of abuse survivors were experiencing marriage problems at the time they filled in the research questionnaire compared to 4.8% of the normal population. Sorry, 4.6. Note that that was only investigating current marital problems. So the rate of having some kind of marital problems during the whole length of the marriage may be higher as well. They just didn't test for that. Okay, okay. 
Other studies have re- reported that survivors of abuse may experience lower marital satisfaction, lower stability, a higher likelihood of divorce, higher rates of conflict and hostility, higher levels of mistrust and fear of their spouse. Mm. Abused men or women may also find it hard to confide in their spouse and be vulnerable with them, which could get in the mm. way of intimacy. Yeah. Okay. As well, there's the area of sex, and the research suggests that prior sexual abuse can affect current sexual functioning in one of two ways. Either an increased high-risk sexual behaviors, such as having lots of sex partners, or being less likely to use contraception, and a higher likelihood of taking part in prostitution. Hmm. Or the second common avenue is reduced sexual satisfaction, whether that shows up or appears as arousal disorders or difficulty or inability to orgasm because the mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can be part of this, right? Now there are help in both of those areas by seeing a certified sex addiction therapist or by seeing a sex therapist. Okay. So even though these are impacts, there are ways to find healing and people that can help. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as spouse selection goes past Sexual abuse may affect the kinds of partners an abuse survivor seeks out. Really? Yes. Survivors of sexual abuse were more likely to marry an alcoholic than those who had never experienced abuse. Huh. That was 12.5% of the sample compared to 7.9%. That doesn't seem like very much. It's not a huge increase, but if you think about it, if you go from 8% to 12.5%, it's a 50% increase. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I see what you're saying. So women abused as children are much more likely to later be physically or sexually abused by their husbands. 49% of women abused as children fell into this category compared to 18% of the general population. Okay. Wow. That's a much more significant increase. Yeah. And that, that movement towards that and that propensity, you know, there's a lot of factors in there, but one of them I am sure will be what we call traumatic reenactment, where a survivor recreates past scenarios in an attempt to feel some greater agency or power in them. Really? Yes. Traumatic reenactment is what that's called. Not realizing that they're actually just taking their brokenness and they're breaking it some more. It's Mm. hard to acknowledge something like that, but it's also something that a person can heal from, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And find new ways to feel a strengthened sense of self-efficacy or self-determination that's more adaptive, more wholesome. Wow. So you're more likely to choose some, an abuser Yeah. when you've already been abused. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And quite often that traumatic reenactment piece is what, what's at it. Because you're going to be in control this time. Is that it? Well, it's, it's almost like a redemptive attempt that I'm going to go into something and come out stronger this time. It's going to be different. Okay. And yet at the same time, there's a component where it's a movement towards what's familiar. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and comf- hate using the word comfortable, but... Um, but it's what you know, like the unknown is always a little bit scary. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's a better unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And then parenting. Sexual abuse as a child can lead to women viewing themselves as worse parents. So that's a perspective Mm -hmm. issue and can also lead to more use of physical punishment when your child misbehaves. So it's sometimes possible that the pain of abuse can then be passed on to little ones in a different form. Mm, Yeah. But it comes out, right? And so on that, on that note, you can kind of see how these beliefs and actions begin to play into how we are engaging with 
the people that are closest to us. If we've experienced this thing in childhood mm-hmm. and we, and there hasn't been the pursuit of healing and we haven't done our work to recover from that, these things can be reenacted in our adulthood, right? Right. So today's bonus guide is about helping the spouse of a sexual abuse survivor even look at your own beliefs and actions and how they affect your marriage. So that's going to help empower you to do more to assist your spouse in his or her recovery because everybody's beliefs and perceptions now play into this as adults now that you're in this marriage dynamic mm. as to how things work out. So check it out. You can get the guide by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People and we'll just take a quick break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how abuse touches things like spouse selection and even parenting. Uh, And let's shift towards how this translates into marriage challenges. Okay. So what, having looked at the ways that sexual abuse impacts marriage, it's also useful to think about how these impacts are realized. What are the connections? Why does this happen? Now, one point to start on is this issue of learned behavior. So past trauma teaches people certain habits and ways of relating to other people, which can impact the way they act and inform the people they choose to interact with. How do you inform people? Uh, It's like, the experience of trauma in the past now becomes part of a subconscious process of choosing who I'm going to interact with. Okay. Like the people that I'm drawn to. Oh, okay. That I'm going to hang out with. Okay. Survivors of childhood sexual abuse may be unconsciously drawn to find a spouse who will repeat the same cycles of abuse. That's just sad. Yes, it is. Because now there's more trauma. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's going to... I don't know, probably repeat itself in generations. Yeah. But this is where like I have such, I have the privilege of sitting with my clients as they are the ones who are breaking the patterns of generational abuse Hmm. and they're stepping out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these are difficult things to acknowledge, but when we know about them, it gives us options because knowledge is power. Okay. Yes. Now there's psychological trauma as well. So abuse may negatively impact a person's self-esteem and sense of control over their life so that they see themselves as deserving of future abuse or further abuse and also as unable to prevent it. And these are like really subtle beliefs that may be active in guiding their choices as an adult. These things come into play. So like I couldn't stop it last time. It's yeah, just going to be what just happens. happens. I, I know I survived it before, which is kind of a almost like a, a willingness to go through something mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a sense, right? Okay. 
And then there's trust as well. Being abused by a family member or other close individual is an extreme betrayal of trust. Mm -hmm. So the abused person will then find it extremely hard to trust other people in the future, quite often. More, More likely those that are closest to them, possibly, not always. And that lack of trust, though, often leads to emotional distancing or even defensiveness and outright hostility. I keep myself safe by acting Mm. hostile. creates a barrier of... Then I don't have to trust you and get hurt. Yeah. Okay. And again, I want to say, like, here we're talking about how abuse impacts marriage. We're not talking about a permanent disability. Mm. Just acknowledging the impact. Again, if you're listening as a survivor, I want you to know that there is hope and there is healing from the wounds of sexual abuse. So even for something like trust, you can learn how to get those skills to know who you can trust and who is safe, again, so that you can safely and wisely let your guard down when it should be down. Mm, when it can be legitimately down, right? When you're not like blocking the intimacy. So you're not filtering the good with the bad. Okay. Now let's talk about attachment here just briefly again, which is the science of love being abused by close family members as a child impairs the attachment bond. Those children are able to make children learn that those closest to them are capable of doing terrible harm to them. And this becomes their expectation for all future relationships. So because they see abusive relationships as normal or as a blueprint for how relationships are supposed to function, they often end up choosing partners who conform to these expectations. Okay. So these are some of the impacts inside marriage, how it touches trust, uh, trauma, attachment. Now, there's some resiliency factors that we should note here as well. Many survivors of sexual abuse go on to thrive in adult life. Mm-hmm. Healthy, They have healthy relationships. They have successful careers and well-adjusted personalities. There's also some strengths that come out of the trials that people have been through in this context. So many survivors of sexual abuse go on to thrive in adult life. They have, they develop healthy relationships, successful careers. They have well-adjusted personalities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So while we're talking about these impacts, it's not the impact on everyone. And if you don't have mm. these impacts, you don't have to feel bad about that. Or look for them. No. Yeah. Because there are resilience factors that help survivors to recover and thrive. One is, for example, the ability to find emotional support outside the family as well as within the family. Second is high self-esteem, the ability to think well of oneself, like really taking what's happened and keeping it in context. People have found resilience in faith or spirituality. They've found that they can employ the external attribution of blame, which is believing that the abuse was not your fault, which is the right, right thing to believe. Right, yeah. And then developing an internal locus of control. And we talked about that in our episode on assertiveness, where you start to understand that, you know what, I do have control over things now, even though back then it seemed out of control. Right. So now for spouses married to abuse survivors, this gives you a good list of ways to help. You can provide emotional support. You can help with building self-esteem. You can help them with engaging with faith together. Like make that a core part of what your family does. Helping survivors deal with issues of blame, encouraging them to feel in control of their lives, those different things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what you want to do as you're thinking about this is to pay attention to attachment though. Because a couple of researchers in 99, they found that attachment style mediated the link between childhood sexual abuse and mental distress in later life. And they noted in their study that attachment style accounted for almost all the effects of sexual abuse. Attachment, yeah. Attachment style is how you love the people closest to you, okay? 
Okay. Now, abuse as a child is likely to create an insecure attachment style, which causes distress and relationship dysfunction in later life. But it is possible to form a secure attachment with your spouse, which reduces the impact of all kinds of past trauma on your current relationship. Mm. Really good stuff. And our bonus guide for episode 183 on adult children of alcoholics also deals with this attachment issue that's available to our patrons as well. Okay. to help with that. And this is a great area of work as well to do with a therapist, uh, one of the members of our team, or if you have a therapist that you're working with. This, in terms of a marriage context and doing therapy, is one of the reasons why we find it in our practice so effective to use emotionally focused couples therapy. Mm-hmm. That's a core uh, component of the couples work that we do in our virtual counseling agency at Only You Forever. Emotionally focused couples therapy focuses on really creating those conversations that are necessary to shift and heal attachment mm. so that you can create a stable, trusting, safe connection in your marriage. All good stuff, right? Okay. Yep. Now, the final thing is to watch for stinking thinking. <laughs> So Sounds in, very, you know, research nerdy. Yeah, that's the uh, clinical term for that. <laughs> a study in 2001 found that spouses of abuse survivors often display forms of negative behavior, such as being emotionally distant or subconsciously blaming their spouse for the abuse. Really? And all the marital problems which it has caused. Yeah. Even if the abuse is before the marriage? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Working on these issues can help repair the marriage and create a secure attachment. Back which to al- attachment? Back to attachment. Absolutely. Which allows the abuse survivor or helps the abuse survivor to heal. See, secure attachment provides an ideal healing context for people. Right. Because you can be vulnerable. And be accepted. And be accepted and safe. Okay. Again, more on this in the bonus guide. And of course, if you'd like to speak with one of our specialized therapists, we would love to be able to help you guys create a thriving, passionate marriage, no matter what your story has been to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we all have our stories. We do. Okay, let's wrap this up. Okay, thank you to Christina and Trishel, who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. Thank you, each one of you, for your support each month. It means a lot Mm -hmm. to us. And we have an iTunes review, Caleb. From Canada. Ooh, from Angel and Jeff, who says, you are angels to us. Five stars. That's kind of funny. Well, my wife is anyways. (laughs) Nice try. Late 2016 to late 2017, our marriage was a hell. On our third year of our marriage, all our inner mess and baggages surfaced to the point that we had to separate to two countries. Your podcast has been one of my solace during the agonizing months. I binged. I would make my husband listen to your podcast last year, and at first he would shut down, but slowly he began to really listen. Your straight, to-the-point attention to the problem and solution has helped us communicate better, understand each other better, and love each other again better. So that's awesome. This beginning of the year is our breakthrough, and please know that you help save our marriage. Your voices are almost our everyday radio station with Rick Warren. LOL. Well, we like to roll with the big dogs. I don't know who Rick Warren is. Oh, he's like the biggest, after maybe Joel Olstein, he's the biggest oh, pastor, pastor in the U.S. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. I feel very important now. Yes. <laughs> and we laugh at your intro all the time. I don't even know what's funny in our intro. I'll have to go back and listen to it. Now, with all the learning that I have learned from you, I've been using it to help other couples that are in distress in their marriage or relationships. I love that it's not Christianese, but with sound research backed up. That's why it got through my husband's and mine's hard hearts last year. Again, thank you. We are moving to BC this summer. Can't wait for our adventure there. And I might get psychology to head through counseling, maybe at Trinity Western because of you two. God bless you and your family. Mabuhai. That's a, I looked that up. That's a Filipino greeting. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's their ethnic background. Okay. Cool. What a great review. And Yeah. And like what a 
what a great story, hey? Yeah. So much distress and yet healing. That's keeping it real. Lots of work. Next week. Next week, we're going to talk about joy, the subject of joy in marriage. Ooh. I thought we'd just kind of isolate that little piece there and see what we could learn. I think that I could take this whole one. Episode? Yeah. Okay. We're going to have a solo no, but we're edition. Not, but we're not. <laughs> I'm just saying because you bring so much joy. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's all for today's episode, folks. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 190190, actually. Find out how you can help marriages, go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.